0: All right, let us say hello to Eddie Cha, the head striking coach over at Fight Ready, and they have been in the news quite a bit. There have been a lot of things going on over at Fight Ready, some big names stepping on the mats these days, and it's always great to catch up with is one of the best minds in the sport, Mr. Eddie Cha. Eddie, how are you, sir? Good to see you.
1: I'm good. Doing good, man. How are you? I'm doing
0: great. So you guys, over the last several months, have assembled quite the all-star team over at Fight Ready. Obviously, a lot of established names have been there for years, we last spoke when the Korean zombie was getting ready to fight Dan Ige, obviously Henry Cejudo, but we've recently seen Zhang Wei Lee train over there ahead of her fight with Rose Nami Yunus, Davis of Figueiredo, Eric Anders, Marco Madsen, and others. Even John Jones has been getting some work over at Fight Ready. So, what has that been like for you getting to work with some of these fighters, most notably the former world champions like Zhang Figueiredo and, and even John Jones as of late?
1: It's been great. It's been a, truly an honor. Don't forget Kelvin Gastelum. He just moved out here as well. So oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Our man Kelvin. Uh, it's been great. Um, a lot of it has to do with you got to give credit What credit is due. Is uh, we call him C four now. The other seat stands <laughs> <in> for Coach <laughs> Henry Cejudo. Uh, a lot of guys been reaching out to them and him, and um, he's been doing a great job of uh, kind of bringing some of the guys over here, and so it's keeping us super busy to say the least
0: are you looking right at him right now is he right there
1: henry no no he just uh he just went out of town actually i don't know if i can say where but yeah he's out of out of town today. ah
0: fair enough fair enough uh yeah. so so let's talk about jongle weili Wei because we saw a very competitive strawweight title fight at msg this past month ufc 268 super close i haven't watched it a second time but you know when you're covering the sport and these big events are happening you're doing like 15 things at once but watching it live i okay. did score the fight for zhang Lee, but it was very very close it's, it, in in the grand scheme of things Eddie, it's sort of an under the radar fight overall considering it was on the same card with usman covington too of course that insane fight really? between justin gaethje and michael chandler hey. what were your big takeaways from zhang's performance in the second going around with rose nami Yunus, and just the fight overall so did you score
1: it for for uh, Wei Lee? The second time when you saw the fight,
0: I haven't watched it a second time. Oh, okay. you but watching it live, a li- watching it live, I gave I scored the first three rounds for Zhang, and then four and five for Rose.
1: I had it exactly the same. Um, we learned a lot that 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 camp, especially cornering during the fight. But I definitely had it rounds one, two, and three during the first round. We were watching it. Uh, Captain Eric and I were talking. We were talking to uh, among the translators. So a lot of times, I was like this. So lesson learned. I'll definitely put a translator in front of me, and I'll sit behind them so where he, I can look over their shoulders. Uh, in the first round, I thought she might have gotten dropped, and then watching back, uh, she slipped. So I definitely gave her the first round. Second round, again, I thought it was super close, and then watching it again, she buckled her with that left hook. She kind of stumbled Rose going backward. Uh, I think uh, she held her down for a little bit longer than you know. They both had one takedown apiece. So I think the striking aspect, I gave her round two and round three wasn't even close. She took her down, mounted her. Um, And then again, four and five, I I give to Rose as well. But um, it was was a close fight. Uh, You know, a lot of times people say, oh, well, she lost the fifth round, the championship round. It's still only one round, you know. Uh, And I can't talk about why. She kind of looked a little tired and stuff like that. I never talk about anything unless the fighters talk about it first, so I won't kind of get into details on that, but I thought it was a great fight. I thought we made the improvements in, in a, a short amount of time, and I thought she did enough to win the fight.
0: I thought the 49-46 was egregious, to be honest Unbreed. with you. Either way, like 40 or 47, either way, I'm fine with the, for the 49-46 for Rose. I, I just didn't buy it all.
1: Agreed. And unfortunately, those are the only three people that actually count how they scored it.
0: Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it doesn't matter how we score it at the end of the day, but yep. moving on, there's so much I want to talk to you about because I don't get to talk to you that often, but I do, I do want to talk about John Jones coming in because obviously he's dealing with some things right now that have made headlines. He's been his own worst enemy in a lot of different occasions, but at the same time. He's one of, if not the greatest fighters to ever compete in the sport of mixed martial arts. Did you know personally that John was gonna be coming in or were you as surprised as a lot of other people when you just saw John in the gym?
1: No, I did. Uh, Henry gave me a call and and told me that uh, John reached out to him and he's interested in coming out and stuff like that. So, uh, you know, we kind of prepared some things to work on and uh, we're super excited to have him here.
0: So, yeah, that, that was kind of like one of my other questions, like when fighters come in, like, are you privy to that information ahead of time? Like, are there discussions amongst the coaches where it's like, hey, this fighter wants to come in? What do you think? Are there like group conversations like that that take place, especially, you know, with everything going on with John, different kinds kinds of circumstances, sort of what happened with with, with Jackson Wink. Mike Winklejohn goes on the MA Hour and said so he wasn't even welcome there at the moment. Like, are you guys having conversations like that ahead of time? Like, I know you Henry called you and. just said like hey he's gonna he he might be coming in but what's that process like for you guys overall
1: so everything that that we decide is is kind of as a team it it starts with our owner dave's online um he calls each and every one of us and say do you guys want this individual individual here and we'll say yes or no and why and then uh we kind of go from there and for me it was a no-brainer uh i think people make mistakes whether you make one two or three i mean uh john's just under a microscope when he does anything wrong it, it's it's magnified and so forth but if you if you know him as an individual and i don't know him as well as other people but i've heard from other people kind of doing my research is nobody's had a like i heard uh greg has never had a problem with him gibson never had a problem with him as an individual you know i don't think anybody agrees in the mistakes he's made but at the same time uh we all make mistakes you know and uh i was super happy to work with him i just judge him as individuals i said let's just not judge until we get to know him first and uh i was super impressed as a human being and as an athlete
0: so personally in your eyes there was no hesitation to to have john come in
1: for me no i i uh i don't think that we're able to change anybody unless somebody's willing to change but i mean to me We've met it. We he's come back and forth a, a few times already, and they do the dude's a class act to me. Um, I have zero problems with him, and I'm excited to work with him. And and just on the
0: the fighter coach side of things, like you know, obviously the court stuff that's got to play out, so we don't know what's going to happen there. But just 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 from what you've seen, what has John brought to the gym in terms of his presence, the vibe he brings to the rest of the team, if you will, like sort of a leadership role, so to speak? Because obviously, what, well, when these young fighters see john jones in the gym they of course they're going to want to work with him and, and try to improve so what kind of presence has he brought to the table in, in the limited time that you've got to spend with them
1: so john is uh we have two different type of camps that we run for for fighters he, he's in the category of super camp like okay. zombie henry mark natson you know and every all these other guys and so when he when he comes in, we do a, a completely private workouts. Uh, you know, people around us and so forth. But I will tell you what's happened individually is uh, obviously the word got out that he was in Arizona. There'd be tons of people coming in, you know, wanting pictures and autographs. Even while we're working out, you'd see like little five-year-old kids with their parents and stuff waiting for for him to sign during workouts. He'd look over, "How you doing, little man? Is this your son, sir? How you doing?" Can I come and say hi. Like he'll literally take the time any kid that he sees he's going to take the time to say hi, you know, take pictures, whatever they want. There was a couple, I think it was like nine, 10 fans outside. Uh, we had the door shut on a Saturday. Same thing goes outside, takes pictures of everybody says hi, you know, like uh, it just, to me, it, you you can kind of tell him an individual, how they act around kids. It makes a big difference. And um, yeah, it's been great. Uh, another thing is Eric Anders has been in camp. I don't know how well they knew known each other or anything else um but you know the next week he came I was like what do you want to work on he goes oh, I'm, I'm here for eric whatever he wants you know i'm like john you're too big for <laughs> like <laughs> i appreciate it you're not a light heavy no more you're an actual heavyweight he's like 250 255 right now and eric's like what he ain't <laughs> he's not helping me do nothing <laughs> you know he's too big um so i mean he's just nothing but giving from from what we've seen uh i love what we see from him i love the individual i love the talks that we have and he's a man of god i'm a man of god we're both christians and i think that's a a good starting ground for us we're all forgiven through the grace of god so i don't care as many mistakes as individuals make as long as they learn from them you know
0: i'm sure you guys have a conversation i don't even know if you can answer this but do you know if he plans to stick around there? Like he says, he'll be ready to come back in 2022. Dana White won't even talk about John fighting again until it's 2022. Would it be fair to say, I don't even know if you can say this or not, that when he is ready to return and he has a fight on the books, that he will be a fight-ready fighter at least in some way? Or is it too soon to even say that?
1: Uh, we do have a plan. We did talk about that. But it, again, it, if he doesn't say anything, I, I'm not one to, to really say uh i always wait and listen to it. Oh, okay he said it i can go ahead and regurgitate that um but yeah i can't really say too much about it but he i can tell you that he's hungry he's learning he's eager to get going again and hopefully we'll see him in there soon
0: how do you think he matches up with francis and ganu cyril GaN? because you would think the ufc will look to match john up with the winner if they can from that title fight in january how do you think he matches up with both those guys from you know just a little bit you've seen of this heavyweight version of john
1: jones honestly like we talked about i think he he's one of the best to ever do it he matches up <laughs> well against anybody the question is how does uh Noganu match up against him you know uh how does gone match up against him because uh john's can do it any way. he can wrestle one guy or he can strike with one guy he can go southpaw he can go to orthodox he can box he can kickbox. His cage wrestling is amazing. You know, his elbows are notorious. Um, it, I think what separates him, what I've seen, and I kind of went back and watched his fights before working with him too, is just his mindset. He knows how to win. If you watch that Dominic Reyes fight, which I thought was really, really close, by the way, um, he just knows when to, like, walk away with this fight. He knows, I got to win this round. I, I know he knows when to win these next two minutes of the round. I think the greats, uh, e- even... Henry Cejudo is kind of the same thing when he sees blood or he, he kind of goes at it. He goes right for it right away. And so, uh, the greats are, I think are just amazing finishers and they're just winners.
0: I appreciate that. No more John Jones talk. Uh, we'll switch, switch gears. Davison Figueredo getting ready to fight Brandon Moreno again. First fight. Great fight. It was a draw. The last point for, for Davison obviously loomed huge in the overall scoring second fight. Was this incredible moment for Brandon Moreno? Maybe Can the most turn memorable,
1: that off real quick, please. Sorry. Oh, it's OK. Just uh,
0: so I get oh, no, I hear you. I got people downstairs, too. But anyways, uh, so, so Moreno in the second fight. I mean, it's one of those mo- like when you think about 2021 in MMA, him winning the title is one of those moments that just sticks at the top of your mind. It's probably a vision that Davison's probably had to avoid or maybe uses as, as, as motivation. But this third fight, he's changing gears. He's working at Fight Ready. What has that been like? What have you seen from him that gives you confidence that this third fight's going to be different than the second one?
1: He's working at fight ready. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's working with the great Henry Cejudo. Uh, Figueroa's amazing. Uh, you know, uh, I didn't really know him personally as an individual until he got here. He likes to joke around. He, he's, he's a good family man. I know he got here early because the fight got pushed back to January twenty second he missed his kids so much. He had to go back home. We told him to stay. He goes, man, I, I can't do it without my kids. So it just shows what type of individual he is. Um, he's a workhorse to tell you. I mean, he is a big flyweight. Uh, <laughs> I mean, the kid has like 8% body fat already six pack. And I'm like, Oh my gosh. It's like, maybe you should go, go try to be double champ after this fight. But, um, I will tell you that we, we're working on a lot of tendencies that he he did well, trying to uh, improve on those and, and working on some of the things that he made a few mistakes in, in the second fight. Um, so he's, uh, I think Moreno's an unbelievable fighter. Uh, I, I was a big fan of his, uh, I was so impressed with his last two fights. I know his manager Jason house really well. So I did call him and tell him that I will be involved in this camp. And we wish the best for each other, whoever wins. And we said, hey, we're going to be more than happy uh, to lose to whoever. But um, <clears throat> I will tell you, in Figueredo, I kind of explained to the guys, we are talking about game plans and everything else. I was like, we have the Francis Noganu at 125. I mean, this was the most feared guy before the first Moreno they fought for the for the first time. And so uh, I think we need to start putting that fear back with, with good power shots and stuff like that. But then getting to work with him in camp. I mean, he's got unbelievable kicks. He's he's a really good wrestler. He does like to wrestle. You know, he he's had a uh, great submission uh, with against Perez. He's got a great guillotine and so forth. So. We have so many weapons, just kind of like, which one do we use, <laughs> this one or this one? So we compiled a good game plan together, and we plan to use a little bit of uh, everything, uh, depending on the time of the round and so forth. And uh, got a great coaching staff, Great, flew out a bunch of sparring partners for him. We're actually bringing in two more just in case <laughs> one or two go down already. <laughs> they, they've been really exciting to watch his uh, sparring rounds
0: how have he and he and Henry mesh together? Because you can make the argument that either one of those two guys, there, I mean, we, if you're talking like four or five years ago, this division, I mean, it was, it was gone for a, for a little sure. while and now it's back. It's, it's red hot right now. And Henry in a lot of people's eyes is, is the guy to thank for that. And in a lot of people's eyes, Davison and, the power he presents and some of the finishes that he's had he's to thank for that so seeing those two guys arguably the two guys who saved this division in a lot of people's eyes what has that been like to watch
1: it's been great uh it's been super exciting even from the way lee camp is seeing henry evolve as a coach because we know how great he is as an athlete and then usually a lot of the great athletes aren't the best coaches and so to see him transition uh, and show what he does well, the mindset of a champion, what sh- they should be thinking during uh, during fight week and going through the whole process of him mentoring Lee and um, Biggie. It's really interesting. Uh, and then hopefully he's going to be, there's rumors he's coming back too next year. So I don't know where he's going to fit in at 25, 35, 45, but I would love to see him go after that third title, something that no one's ever been able to accomplish, you know? Um, but I'm not sure what his plans are right now. He's coach C. So, uh, but it's been great to watch those two work together. And that obviously crossed our mind in the beginning because these guys should have fought, you know, they could have potentially fought and how interesting of a fight that would have been. But now they're two peas in a pod. They're really, they're really tight.
0: Well, you mentioned it. So I might as well ask. And since Henry Cejudo has come out many times and said that he's coming back and even his manager has done many interviews and said that he's planning on coming back, let me just ask you you hear rumors, but if you were a betting man, if I handed you a hundred dollars, Eddie, and you could only put it on whether or not Henry fights or not, are you putting that hundred dollars on Henry fighting in 2022? Do you feel confident that that happens?
1: I don't know if a hundred dollars would do it, but I'm going to say, yes. Uh, I think he misses the sport. I think he, he misses competing. Um, Mm. I think hopefully, I mean, hopefully they'll get it done. I, I feel like we missed that little small window when Vulcan house didn't have an opponent and, uh, Holloway was fighting a year, but then again, I understand the UFC's perspective where they don't want a hit and run, but I think Henry is not looking to fight just once. You know, he, he wants to really come back. He's still young. He didn't really take too much damage in, in his career besides the Mariah's shoulder and shoulders, but, um. Yeah, I think he's picked up a couple new tools, especially after the dominant camp, um, the distance game, the kicking game. All these are like new toys for him. And when he has a new toy, he wants to play with that toy. Uh, you can see him in the gym showing guys and stuff like that. So I think he likes coaching, but it's just making him miss fighting even more.
0: Well, we look forward to seeing that. I do want to talk about Eric Anders. He's fighting this Saturday. He's been singing the praises of the team ever since he did his first camp there. But he's got a big one stepping in to fight Andre Muniz. And in my opinion, Andre Muniz, despite some of the finishes he's had, the surge he's been on, he might be the most under-the-radar middleweight in the world right now. And Eric Anders is stepping in 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 a pretty interesting spot here on short notice. So Eric is not a guy who shies away from challenges. I'm sure he's loving this right now. How, how is he sort of mentally looking at this fight with Andre Muniz? Because I mean, he'll fight anybody, but this is an interesting kind of matchup for him.
1: Yeah, definitely. At, at first, I just said no right off the bat because it was only five weeks. But then he did have we we were in camp for five, six weeks before he caught COVID. And so he took it off. I think he got a negative after four days. So I don't know if it was a false positive or what it was, but um, to the number 15 guy five weeks ago, I would say no. Um. I think he is underrated but then at the same time if you ask anybody who's he fighting and then say munoz i don't know the name he's the guy that submitted Jacare. and go oh okay everybody knows who he <laughs> yeah. is. so i don't know how underrated he is if you submit Jacquere. um the kid's phenomenal i mean he's got great jujitsu he's got great footwork he's got a good jab left kicks obviously check hooks and so forth um but i i think eric gets the job done we wouldn't say yes to a fight if we didn't believe we we match up well it could win and so it was kind of similar to um, the fight that he took uh before was another jiu-jitsu specialist it was a little different style of jujitsu, so we had to tweak some things but um it's going to be a great fight i think he matches up really well eric's been improving every camp like if you see the footage in the film that before we got our hands on him, I've always seen the potential in Eric. I told Eric a long time ago, I called Jason house and told him, uh, I want to work with Eric Anders. And then uh, he goes, every gym wants to work with Eric Anders, name any coach that doesn't want to work with them. So we went down the list. He goes, that coach called that. And, uh, when he started losing, I still was calling Jason. I want to work with Eric Anders. I go, I, there's something in this kid, something about this kid. I really want to work with this guy. So, <clears throat> Unfortunately, I got to work with him, but if you see from camp to camp, his footwork, his distance, his stance, his kick starting to improve, his wrestling is improving, his jiu-jitsu, just his fight IQ in general, um, setting his feet when he throws. I mean, he's not as flat-footed. This camp, again, I feel like he's leveled up again with his hand speed, going to the body, and I I can't give too much away of what he's improved on and, and what we've been working on but it's a really, it's going to be a really exciting fight. And uh, if he wins this, hopefully he breaks top 15.
0: Yeah. I I think Eric's one of those great examples in MMA where, you know, obviously he was known from his college football days playing in Alabama. I'm sure he's, he's thrilled that Alabama just beat Georgia and that whole thing. And, um, but just seeing just his mindset, not just in the octagon, but out of it, like learning about being financially stable and saving your money and investing properly. Like, like opened his eyes he's he's a totally different guy interviewing him now than he was like three years ago have you sort of noticed like all the evolution outside of just fighting eric anders over the over the time that you've spent with him
1: oh 100 he's an entrepreneur now i think he uh i heard one of the interviews i believe he credits obviously jason house he's a good mentor to him to all these guys and then uh james kraus you know those guys are buying up real estate doing airbnbs and they're killing it. So I need to start learning that kind of uh business from those two or those three. Uh, yeah. He, he's a great family, man. I know he owns, I don't want to give away what uh, his estates uh, are, but he's doing well. He's yeah. doing, er, Eric's doing really, really well, but that's another reason why I want to work with him. It's, it's not just the, Oh, speed. And, and, Oh, he was a D one national champion, you know, football player and things like that. I just saw intangibles in him uh even in the Santos fight when he lost where his body's still willing, but you know, his mind is willing, but his body wasn't. just uh, certain things about him, I go, that's the kind of guys I want to work with, the work ethic inside and outside the gym, and you know, just how he conducts himself. and I just love those kind of individuals. And uh, he is a workhorse. When I tell people how hard he works, it's really hard to find bigger guys to work, that, uh, you know, have that kind of a work ethic, and he's just a machine. And so um, I love working
0: with Eric. Very good guy. One of the the really good guys in the sport. Uh, A few last quick things. Like I said, I got you here, so I just want to just rifle as many things as I can. Um, After Eric fights on Saturday, there's two big title fights. We got Charles Oliveira versus Dustin Poirier. We got Amanda Nunes versus Juliana Pena. Do you foresee any new champions emerging on Saturday?
1: I hate picking, but I'm going to say I, I could, I could see it in the Poirier. I feel like that's a coin toss, You're just depending on how the fight's going to go. I think uh, the uh, Poirier's coaches are so good at game planning. I know against the Holloway fight, even, they're running that left-hand roll-under into a shot, roll-under into overhand rights. They did a, that same move. I'm not going to tell us you what we call that, but uh, we have a similar move like that. He used it in the corner right into the first round and, and got a takedown off it, too, so... I love the game planning of uh, of their coaches. I think Charles over there is just on one these days. You see the improvement in him, all around. They talk about his ground game. He has what the most submissions in, in lightweight yeah. history, yeah, which is really really impressive with all the names out there. But his striking's phenomenal too. Um, you talk about a chin. I mean, <laughs> nobody gets harder than Michael Chandler, and he weathered the storm and then he was able to uh, finish that fight too. So. It's going to be interesting to see. I think uh, Po is a little bit slower, maybe, and so the speed factor might be a difference in it. Um, but yeah, if I had a hundred dollars to bet on it, I would say no.
0: A hundred dollars yeah. again? No. It, yeah. it, and and I I loved that the Chandler fight played out the way that it did because everyone always questioned the heart of Oliveira. Like if he gets in trouble, there was always that notion that he's just going to quit and and just and just fold. He took a beating in that first round and then comes back and knocks out chandler like a couple minutes later in the second i mean that was one of those things that sort of just closes the book on those types of discussions do they not
1: yeah yeah no for sure i think a lot of times uh some of the fighters get categorized as like soft just because they're finesse you know they're a finesse fighter uh, but yeah i don't think you can call them that anymore but i mean i don't think you can call anybody that 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 literally fights at the highest level Anybody in the UFC is going to be ranked top 50 in the world, literally, right? So, I mean, and then when you get to the top 10, top five, these are the elite guys. How are you going to say that they're softer or whatever it may be? Um, some are definitely tougher than others, but, uh, I mean, they're all great athletes.
0: Two last things. Uh, a lot of people are wondering, and if I don't ask this, they're going to beat me up over it. When can we expect to see the Korean zombie back inside the Octagon? We host a matchmaking show. Everyone throws the Korean zombie into these high-level featherweight fights. He looks fantastic in the win over Danny. I know you're not his manager, but I know you work with them very closely. He's a name that comes up all the time. What's the latest on his plans for 2022 and when we might be able to see him back in the Octagon?
1: He will be back in the Octagon. I don't know. Uh, I spoke with him. I almost speak with him on a daily basis uh see how he's doing he kind of recovered he's still recovering from a shoulder injury from the egate fight um but it's getting better he's he's up to sparring he's doing done his rehab and stuff like that i think we're looking early next year i would say but you'd have to ask jason house he would have he would have those answers <laughs>
0: okay well fair enough so first half first half of the year we
1: want it we want him back as soon as possible i feel like this is his whole career is he has so many wars or fights and then he's out for so long we were trying to stay consistent and honestly uh we spoke about before the uh the ek fight if all goes well there's no injuries he was going to actually just come back or stay out here another month just to train and then try to get a back-to-back fight but unfortunately that didn't happen
0: yeah well, everyone is going to be happy to hear that. And then last thing, big news broke today. You are a striking coach after all. Tyron Woodley is getting a second chance against Jake Paul next Saturday. Can he do it, Eddie? Can he do it? Did you even know about this? I
1: did not know about that. Wow. I'm not, I'm not on social media as much as people think. Uh, only on Fight Week when there's really nothing to do. But no, that's uh, I actually picked Woodley the first fight. So... I just felt like his output wasn't enough um I, I don't know why um i mean that was kind of the tell of his last few fights in the ufc also i just felt like bigger gloves he's gonna go and do it you know and but who knows that uh you would you would think yes but then rec- the history shows no so i'm always kind of an optimist so i I would say maybe
0: yes.
1: (laughs) Do you think think the short notice
0: helps him? Do you think it helps him though? Like he doesn't overthink anything. He just goes in there 12 days notice. He's going to make a bunch of money. He's going to fight. He can go in there and it's an eight round fight again, but he can approach it as like, let's cut this thing in half. Like the the Rocky Balboa versus Clubber Lang theory in Rocky three. Like we're not going to fight this guy for 15 rounds or 12 rounds or whatever it was. We're going to try to put this guy away in like five. We're just going to put a crazy output on him. We're going to turn into a brawl. And we're just going to we're going to get them out of there early. No overthinking. Just get in there and fight.
1: I think that theory sounds great. But in the back of everybody's head is always the six, seven, eight rounds, just like a five round fight. If you take a short notice, yeah, well, let's just go for broke for eight minutes and let's you know put all our eggs in one basket. But I know a lot of guys are always thinking, hey, we need to pace the first two minutes of every round or first three minutes and then let's explode the last two minutes of every round. It's always in the back of everybody's head when it goes around four and five or even in boxing, you know, the six, six, seven and eight rounds. So uh, I would love to see him just kind of go for broke a little bit or even pace maybe the first minute and a half or first two minutes and really push that last minute of every round have a huge volume just, and then you get to rest right after that. Then you could take another minute and a half, uh, a minute off in the second round, the beginning of each round. So you could technically fight hard for a minute, rest for two minutes. That's one way of doing, you know, putting a strategy together. Right. Um, But I I don't know. It's, I think a lot of that stuff, it just starts here. Uh, I don't think just because it's short notice, people won't think because when people get in trouble, the fighters get in trouble when they're thinking is, right when they're wa- about to walk out or when they're in there and they they get with something hard where they didn't see it or, you know, I think old fights come in their head or whatever the th- their thought processes are. But that gun-shy stuff is real. I mean, I would just, w- we use a couple of mental coaches here. Um, mental Mike, uh, Mindset Mike, <laughs> I don't say Mental Mike. Mindset Mike has been great. We worked with him for Wei camp. Uh, I think he's involved with the figurato camp as well but it, it just really depends. It it has to be fixed. I think if it's never fixed, you're just gonna see the same results, the same problem occurring over and over. And so I'm not sure what he's doing to fix it. If the coaches can't fix it, they need to find another way of doing it.
0: Well, wow, you're one of my favorite people to talk to Eddie, just a, a mastermind when it comes to striking <laughs> and combat sports. I appreciate your time very much. I kept you probably longer than you expected, but thank you so much. I always enjoy speaking with you, like I said, and uh, all the best to you and the team on Saturday. Happy holidays and and happy new year as well, if we don't speak before that.
1: Happy holidays, my man. I love talking to you too. I I love your show and listen to you guys all the time. And I look forward to talking to you soon. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network.
0: Support for this show comes from HubSpot. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals.